Hi, everyone. This is Jason. Welcome to the CMO Stories. I'm here with Tom Willis, who is the CMO of LawPath. Hey, Jay. Good to be here. Uh, so this is the series where you get to learn from other top marketers. What are they doing to grow their companies? And the first thing really, um, you know, after I say hi to Tom is uh, we're going to talk about LawPath a little bit and your role there. Uh, but to start off, um, everyone wants to know what your ideal customer is, kind of in a way thinking about your business from the uh, view of your ideal customer. So who would you say is your ideal customer and what is the product or service that LawPath provides? Yes. Yeah, so the ideal customer that, that we would have at LawPath is really a business that is, is serious about getting started. And, and to, could be, this is the business owner that we have dealing, that we deal with. So it's, it's a business owner who's, who's looking to get something off the ground. They've got great ambitions of growth and, and, and being, you know, the next unicorn and they've got, you know, a good plan in place for being able to get there. So, you know, what we want to help them do is to, to be able to start that business for less, build into, you know, uh, when using us that they've got all of their legal uh, infrastructure, all of their compliance in order. So then they can really can focus then on growing their business, hiring staff, bringing on partners. And then as they grow, we, we want to grow with them as well though, to, to offer them more services, give them more opportunities to be able to access the legal support that they need. And that would go the whole way from starting to scaling to exit. I think that's so clear. I, I love it. Okay. So the next question is essentially diving a little deeper into that, Tom. Um, so if a customer's out there and they're trying to choose between options, what do you feel puts LawPath or should put LawPath at the top of their list? I think what really uh, differentiates LawPath from a lot of the other providers in the market is that there, there's a few people who do parts of what LawPath does. There are people who are going to help you start your, your company online. Um, in Australia, there are people who are going to offer, you know, fixed price access to, 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 to legal support. There's people who are going to offer you things like legal documents on demand, but it's, it's very difficult to find another one like LawPath who can really take all of those components, build that into workflows and, and, and offer one uh, central solution for all of the different legal needs that you have. So I think really the, the the benefit and what differentiates us is that we, we we bring in all of the different parts into one ecosystem so that you can access all the legal support you need from anywhere got it so for startups and for even companies that are scaling um one of the things that you're doing is essentially cutting out the clutter and kind of the back and forth where they sort of have a, a clear point of connection to get um their get help on the legal items. Um, and I'd, I'd like to learn a little bit more about that. So for example, uh, are you essentially, uh, is LawPath sort of supporting an in-house counsel or sort of they have a consultant, legal consultant like on staff and then LawPath supports that or do you almost act as a virtual general counsel for startups or how does, how does, how do you sort of uh, sit between those things? Yeah, it's a great question, Jade. And I can, answer that by saying in a lot of respects, it's a little bit of all of that. And, you know, the, the main service that, that we want to provide is, is, is the access to, to legal support. And the, and the biggest way that we do that is through giving businesses the ability to be able to create, edit, 
sign, e-sign all of their, their legal documents online. So you know, we've got, you know, um, really intelligent software that allows a business to go through, answer a number of questions, and then provide them with a, a legal contract that they can then use with the, with the different parties that they have. Maybe that's their clients, maybe it's their staff, maybe it's their partners. So we, we give them access to them being able to create that. And, and there's really, you know, no human intervention and no service element involved there. It's purely done through software. And then often as part of that, there might be things that come up. You might have a really you know, unique business model where you need something that's a little bit more tailored to your needs. And that's where we have a service arm that can come in and assist on that side of things as well. There's two ways that we do that. We've got a, a, a very small team of in-house lawyers who, who deal really with helping out businesses with giving them on-demand advice on, on really typical kind of startup and small business areas and matters. But then we also extend that out to a network of over 1,000 different uh, legal practitioners across Australia who can help if you're looking for something a little bit more specialised. So, <clears throat> sorry, if you came through and you were after, you know, a certain type of trademark class or a certain bit of, you know, intellectual property support, we don't have the ability to do that through software or through, through an in-house team. We can connect you up through this lawyer network that we have. We can guarantee that any price that comes out of that is going to be a fixed price, you know, upfront exactly what you're going to pay. You've got that clarity to move forward. And because you've got lawyers also who are then competing on that price, you know, you're going to get the best price there as well. So, yeah, we really cover everything from, you know, the, the software arm of that all the way through to the network and also just the service arm. That's a lot more. I think that's a really helpful clarification. So essentially, it's like, you know, um, as much intelligent support and standardization and guidance uh, on a low budget, you know, uh, sort of getting the most value for your money, if you will. And then when it becomes more complex, you still try to provide that value for money and essentially, um, you know, make it a, a fair deal on both sides so that um, ideally you've collected a lot of information from the customer already. So the lawyer who's involved is, is actually using their time more effectively and more efficiently. And then the customer is getting more value because they don't have to go through and explain everything from scratch. Is, is that part of it? Absolutely, absolutely. So a lot of the time, what will happen is that you have the business, they'll be able to use the software to, to take them through to often 100% of being able to solve their solution. But if there are times where you've got a contract and you might have, you know, special needs in your business because of the industry that you're in or the business model that you operate, we can take you from taking that contract and getting 80% of the way there to then speaking to a lawyer who says, look, you've done a lot of the heavy lifting now. There's a few clauses we need to look at. There's a couple of other considerations here that we might want to look to change, but we're doing a lot of the heavy lifting and particularly a big part of that is the admin work. And the reality is that the lawyers don't want to do that admin work either. We're, you know, we're doing a lot of the work of finding out the information through through the software that we have so that the lawyers can really you know focus on what they do best which is offering you know their expert opinions it sounds nice um so uh, i think it's great because essentially you're finding that there's a lot that you can do to really ask intelligent questions get a lot of the background and even clarify the problem get the get the the customer all the way through the self-help where they can they're almost educated to even interact with the lawyer in a more educated way then the lawyer comes in and deals with sort of the just the, the, the complex points maybe the decision points and kind of guides them so it's a very leveraged almost like a leveraged uh model which is really fascinating um so 
just to clarify, this is only for uh, companies that are in Australia, or is it also for companies who are international who want to say, um, you know, open an office in Australia remotely? Yeah, we, we do assist businesses who are operating overseas, but then as you mentioned, want to actually operate in Australia, we can assist with that. Uh, a big part of the service that we can offer as well is that we can provide a, a virtual address, which is a really popular service that we have as well, where people use, instead of using their, their home as their business, they'll use our address and that, that can work either you know, within Australia or overseas as well. But the majority of our business is, is serving Australians. But, you know, we, we've set everything up in a way where it is something uh, as a product. And, and, and you know, we've got a, a great strength in that we've got really strong product-led growth. We've got very scalable software that we know will work very well in international markets as well. So uh, definitely try to keep you posted on what our plans are around that as well. Yeah, it sounds like just uh, foreshadowing um, because you sort of, essentially have solved this in Australia. Um, maybe that's a, a, a strong statement to make, but to some extent, sounds like you've solved it and you've got it working well, but it could definitely um, expand into other areas, you know, in other countries uh, at some point, which is really exciting. Um, so one of the questions uh, I like to ask CMOs is to get down to sort of, you know, the actual marketing funnel and how it works. So Tom, how do you, get customers to find out about you? What are your core channels? Yeah, so I come from a really heavy digital background and I think that's been something that's been very advantageous to, to Lawpath uh, as, we, as we look to, to grow and to scale. So we had uh, a number of, of ideas of, of the different products that we wanted to run. And, and one of the big pieces was really having a, a really in-depth document library of, of templates that we use through our software to automate that and make it really easy for businesses to access. And a big part of what my, my role was in the early days was making sure that, you know, we built really strong search foundations through paid search and search engine optimization to allow for people when they were looking for certain types of documents, being able to access those and find them. And, and that was something that, you know, started our, our initial piece into awareness. So we were dealing with that very kind of high intent traffic that was coming through of search. We were pretty open in who we would allow into then trying us out. And it gave us a really good you know, litmus test of who were the people who were downloading and completing these types of documents, who were the ones that were, were converting a lot better than into paid plans. And so, you know, that allowed us to refine things along the way. We've got a really strong inbounds marketing strategy as well. So, you know, we've got in excess of three and a half thousand different legal articles that we've put together that are covering, you know, a real wide area of, of, of different topics that relate to law and business. So that serves very well in our, you know, kind of almost pre our buyer funnel in, in people who are really just looking for, you know, I'm not sure right yet if I actually know what documents that I, I need or what legal solutions I need, but I'm looking to hire an employee or I'm looking to enter into a, a joint venture. What are some of the things I need to consider? So it gives us the ability to be able to then you know, give, give them that information, build that initial relationship with them as well. So, you know, building out on that, those really those search and content foundations was what we did at a, at a core in a really early stage. Uh, but because, you know, we, we got to a point where we've been able to grow our user base so quickly as well, you know, we're in quite a, envious position as a, as a B2B company where we have, you know, between 350 and 400 new businesses signing up with us every day. 
That means that, you know, things like email marketing, which are, you know, traditionally seen as something that's used, you know, a little bit more, I guess, in the way of, of, of B2C to a degree, but, you know, marketing automation plays a massive role then in that and, and, and the email marketing that we do as well. So I kind of treat things as, you know, we, we built up really strong foundations by, by you know, hiring people into positions that were really core to building out that acquisition engine getting things going there so that we had really good layers of real BAU that were coming through. So every month we had a good predictable stream that we would know would coming through from the different channels that we had in those areas. And, you know, they, they were very efficient. And so really on what I, I've kind of looked at it and I've been really kind of theorizing of this recently and thinking it's very similar to how you kind of layer a cake. You've got your different layers of where you've got, you've got content, you've got SEO, you've got, you know, email marketing, you've got these channels that you, you've had for a long time. And then at different stages, you're, you're trying things around like campaigns, there might be like, you know, different experiments and, and, and growth hacks that you're putting in that are almost like, you know, the icing or the candles on top of that cake, as a way of then being able to see if there's things that then you want to build into those foundations that you, that you have as well. I think, I think one thing that you're sharing, Tom, which is really important is number one is that, uh, at LawPath, um, you know, as a co-founder and a CMO, you really built a brand that's intended to be helpful and specific. So I think that that's actually quite different because not only is it helpful, but it's specific. And I think the specificity of the kinds of things that you're helping people with is really a breakthrough because people don't necessarily get sort of general legal advice. They actually can find a specific subject that they're dealing with, with 3,000 approximately, you said, a little bit over 3,000 articles, 3,500, mm. you know, you know that you've had to get specific. And I think that's actually uh, quite innovative. I mean, a lot of companies out there, they're, they're producing content, but it's not that specific and helpful. So I think that's fascinating. It's almost in a way, um, kind of a, kind of like a cone, if you will, of like um, letting people find their way in to, you know, to, uh, you know, the kind of help you can give. And because there's so much of it, you know, because you have this uh, library, then essentially people can hop around a bit and they can get, they can actually, you, you get a lot of repeat usage out of that. So it's, it's like, you could have people reading A and then B and then C and then D, and then they're still getting exposed to law path. And they're like, I've gotten so much value. The subscription almost pays it for itself. Um, so the, the question I'm going to ask you, so do you want to comment on, on sort of just that summary? Is that a, pro, a, a fairly, what would you change about how I summarize that? I mean, in terms of like how you see it, no, I, I think you, you, you really hit the nail on the head in that a lot of what we've done from a marketing strategy has been much more pull versus versus push. So we've allowed, you know, a lot of open doors for people to be able to access us and, and, and try us out. And then we've really backed out our, our product and, and the solutions that we have as a way of then being able to convert people through. And there's been, you know, obviously marketing intervention that's come along at, at the different stages of that. So where I see us in, in moving forward in the journey as well, you know, there's still a little bit that we can, we can get to before we hit the ceiling in a few of those areas. I think that we, we do recognize that how we then reach businesses that aren't typically the ones who are digitally native and, and going and finding our services through means of, of, of search and, and, and through discovering us in these different ways. How do we find these businesses that maybe already kind of have a set kind of convention? How do we work on breaking that down, showing them the benefits in terms of what they can save in terms of time and money through our solutions? So, you know, we've done a really good job, but there's still a long way to go. 
Yeah, I think that's the next question, really, um, which is, what's your main process for converting interest into decision? Yeah, so I think one of the really important things that I, I've learned through the journey, not just with LawPath, but with other businesses that I've worked with, whether in a freelance capacity, an advisory capacity, or as an employee as well, is that I, I think that there's a real importance in, in, in services that aren't, I suppose, uh, the, the, the most kind of enjoyable or, you know, the most sexy of services that you, ne you need to have. Recency is such a key part in what you do. So when somebody's got that motivation to then say, I'm going to be looking at my legal compliance right now, you know, that's not the fun part of running the business. I, I completely can, can empathize with that, that side of it. You want to be, you know, build, building the landing page and creating the, the, the automation journey or whatever that might be. So when you've got people at that moment, I think it's just really important that you, you've got things set up in a way where if you've identified through your lead scoring that that's a, that's a valuable person that should be contacted, that you're, you're really getting them onto a phone call within five minutes of them signing up. If there's triggers that you can put within your, your onboarding journey that are going to allow you to convert more people, that's going to be more advantageous than then saying, once they finish that, those sessions that they're having with us, we're going to try and put them through like an email education journey, which will help, of course. But I think it's just so important when someone's saying, right, I've taken this moment to have a look at my legal compliance that we, that we maximize on, on where their energy is put in at that time. So, you know, we put a lot in around as part of that flow, being able to, you know, show them different messages engage with them in certain ways through the product, do split testing around what's the best type of workflow and journey to take them through. Uh, so there's a lot of product-led growth that comes into us. It's not just purely having a look, having a look at, I guess, you know, your typical kind of marketing stack and channels. But I, I think that's such an important part. And I think it's often a part that's overlooked. When you've got that attention, we know how attention deficit everyone is these days. You need to make the most of it. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, I think that it's simple, but also really helpful, which is essentially recency, I think you said, or immediacy, um, Tom, where like, you know, this person's serious, they're spending the time and energy on a topic that, you know, you, you do provide a service for, instead of saying our email sequence is going to convert them three months from now, get them on an actual call, you know, do a real chat or a call. And it sounds like I like that you actually said call because a lot of people miss that where they might think that chat's enough, but it's like, okay, the chat's really a lead into a call because once they have that human connection, it just changes everything, right? That five, 10 minute call just changes everything. Is that what you've seen that actually you try to move from the chat to the call? Yeah, most definitely. And I think it, it, it's it's probably something that we required to do because if we were in a lot of respects a new category and, and, and people weren't used to consuming legal services and solutions online, there was really an onus on us to make sure that people had that trust in, in, in what that we offered. And a lot of really being able to build that trust was just actually being able to have somebody available to, to pick up the phone and, and, and have a conversation with somebody. And, you know, I look at things like, like phone calls, live chats, and, and how they play into to, to your whole marketing mix. And more importantly, I think into your feedback loop, it's really important that as, as a marketer, you're, having a, a listen to different conversations that are happening between sales reps or customer service reps and your customers you're keeping an eye on live on live chat transcripts because 
in a lot of respects, what is coming out of that information are the things that really in a lot of respect, you've almost failed to, to show as a marketer because they haven't been able to find it through their, their own means. So it's really building in that feedback. But if you keep getting the same question at a point of your, of your user journey, then there's things that you need to fix to make sure that you're intervening at those points. So I think it's, it's a really important thing, both in, in, as you mentioned, being able to put a little bit of uh, professionalism and, and humanity behind the, the, the actual buying experience, but then also to make sure that you're educating as much as possible and what you can learn from that along the way. Yeah, it's a little bit in a way, almost um, uh, using a computer science term recursive, because what you're doing for lawyers, you're actually doing, you're, you, you're essentially using your marketing to do for your salespeople, where when somebody actually talks to a lawyer, they've got already gotten given a fair amount of information and they've also been educated so that they can use the best time. And when they call your salespeople, your thought, your, your process in a way at LawPath is essentially they should have gotten so much value that, that it should be those deltas that they're actually asking the salespeople around. And if there's something there that should have, we should have educated them before, why don't we make that a reusable asset and just keep getting smarter and smarter? And the same thing's Absolutely. true with how you work with lawyers. So in a sense, you're a learning organization. It's like, how do you keep getting smarter about where the distribution of the work happens? Does it happen, you know, self-education? Does it happen, you know, assisted or does it happen with a live, you know, a live person? And how do you maximize mm -hmm. the value to both parties? Um, one question I have for you that's really important. How do you get repeat engagement or repeat purchases? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And it's one that we really focus a lot on. And so I think that a, a lot of building that, that, that repeat engagement is through one, it, it, in a lot of respects, it's obviously offering a great experience first and foremost. And I think everyone will tell you that, but that's such an important part is because you're only as good as that first experience is going to show and then uh, how repeatable somebody will want that experience to be. So if you can really over promise as part of, when somebody is having that first interaction with you that's going to put you in really good stead moving forward but i think one of the things that we've learned is that it, it, while uh the, the the law is quite a reactive area and and so what what people often do is that they they think about needing a legal solution when something comes up whether it's that they've hired an employee and they need to sort out all of their contracts there they've had somebody dispute uh, maybe a copyright or there's been some sort of you know issue that's come up and that's when they look to engage with legal support what we really want to try to encourage businesses to do is we're, we're, we're really trying to educate them that law can really be proactive and so you know you, you want to get to a point where you've you've put in all of the legal infrastructure that you need and and that you're setting time to being able to do that so one of the great things that we put into our product is is workflows and what they allow you to do is if you've got a, a certain thing that you're doing within your business. A lot of the time, what a lot of other providers will give you is they'll just say, here's the document, do your best. For us, we actually throw that all in around a, a complete interactive compliance checklist. So it'll say, if you know, as an example, if you're looking to hire a new client, these are the different considerations that you need to make. These are the things that you'll need to ask the client ahead of time. Now you need to complete your contracts. These are the additional things that you might want to look at in the way of, you know, um, confidentiality of information, uh, you know, uh, any, anything that might come in around non-competes or um, non-solicitation. So there's different things that will, will, will come in there. So 
what we really try to do is then allow people to be able to work through each of those steps. And, and then through doing that, it also allows people to feel a sense of, of completeness once it's done, but it really helps us from a retention and a repeatability perspective when there's that sense of incompleteness in doing that as well. It allows us to then say, look, you're 80% through completing this process, gives us that point to be able to market. And you know, I'm sure as you, as you know this as well, Jay, everyone wants everything to be 100% these days. They want to you know, you, you get to your LinkedIn profile and if it's only 80% complete, you're thinking, what can I do to add in those additional steps? So it, it, it's been a tactic that's worked really well for us as well. I think there's a big um, sort of key, you know, insight there that you're sharing, um, which which is for yours, for yourself. I'm, I'm thinking maybe other CMOs can also uh, benefit from it, but you, you don't just dump a document on somebody um, you know, or as an example, even if it was a, a lawyer doing a service, just give them an output. You actually inc include them in the process. And um, as a result of that, you're creating workflows. So they're not actually paying you this monthly fee for a document. They're paying you for workflows. And is that is that a fair way of thinking about it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you, you're paying you're paying for the, the whole end to end solution. You're not what a lot of people will do is they'll they'll provide the you get to a point where you say i know i need this document but you've had to do the whole journey of knowing what you need first what we really want to say is you tell us what you're trying to do we'll help you take the steps to then actually getting there give you the information get you informed and then and then empower you to be able to solve that yourself yeah i think i think the idea that there's a um a, a process to go through a document where you sort of give them a sense of like how to complete it means that they want to reuse that process uh, over and over. And that's why they stay, you know, they stay engaged uh, because otherwise they just take the document offline and do it themselves. But they like that sort of, as you said, you know, checklist and, and, and phases and workflows that you, uh, that you provide. Um, so the last couple questions really quickly. Um, well, just to kind of clarify, how, how do you consider paid marketing versus organic? Yeah, so I, I think both are super important to your mix. I think in a lot of respects, paid, I, I often look at, especially in the early stages of a business, you, you need to be able to try to get some initial results, typically through paid and throw a few things um, at a dartboard and see what sticks in terms of being able to try a couple of channels and, and, and get some initial traction that's going through. I think that organic in a lot of respects, I think, you need to be thinking about it from day one. And it is something that as you grow, the foundations of what you're doing organically will grow as well. So you, you really need to always have that at the back of your mind. And, you know, you, you want to be thinking, it's, it's never a set and forget thing from, from an organic side of things either. It, there's also going to be continual work that you'll need to do, but it's, it's such an important thing to get right. Uh, so I think both are, are really, really important. You think about the way I think about it, at least, is that paid is typically a little bit more short term that you, you're trying to then try to get some, you know, quicker results for, for how you're using that money. And you want to have a really quick learning and feedback loop on how those results are performing and where you want to throw more of that money. But organic is something that you, you, you should always be you know, dedicating a, a good chunk of your time to because it's just it's, it's something that's always going to need to continue to grow. And, you know, in a lot of respects, if you can, the better you're getting from a paid perspective as well, it, it can feed a lot of what you see in terms of organic demand. You, you sort of um, look at it as far as 50-50, or do you do like more 
70% paid and 30% organic or, or is it more the other way around? Yeah, it's, it's actually the other way around. So, so typically I, I would say, depending on where, where your, your, your growth outcomes and what you're trying to achieve are, you, you might move to something that's more 50, 50, but for, for me, I think that the, the most sustainable way of being able to do that, and, and it probably is a bit more suitable for a business like ours, that has been around for a while is that that 70, 70% organic, 30% paid split. Um, Tom, on a weekly basis or quarterly basis, what do you think are your most important KPIs? What, what, what key metrics are most important for you to track and keep track of? What do you look at? Yeah, so I, I think that w where I've got to now in my role, I, I've changed a little bit in that I used to be someone who was completely hell-bent on looking at the metrics every single day and I would look at them every morning as a habitual thing even before I came into work on on a wider level I you know set up a dashboard and you know I've got a couple of key things that I always look at as good indicators of how things are going which 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 relate to things like the logins uh, for for us there's 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 a big onus on things like the completion uh, of documents uh, for things around like the retention of users we've got we want people to go through and, and fully complete their, their profiles on Lawpath because that gives us a really good indication then that we'll be able to allow them for very quick completion of documents because we've got that there. So had a couple of these key stats that we would look at, obviously things around like, you know, what we're spending from the marketing budget perspective on channels, leads that were coming through, what those costs were looking like per lead. They were they were all very, very important. And, and I still look at those quite you know, we look at these more now on a weekly basis. I think one of the things that I try to get my team to do, and I know people have differing views on this. I, I do believe that while anything can be automated from, from like a, a, a data and, you know, a, a, a metrics perspective, I think that there's a lot of importance on putting a little bit of accountability in people to actually pull these metrics themselves and these KPIs themselves. So, you know, we, we have a look at things like a big thing for us is, is obviously the leads that we're generating, the conversions that we're getting off of different marketing activity. And while that could be very easily set up in a, in a self-refreshing dashboard, and that is, they are things that we do have and that we, we have serviced around our offices. I really like the idea of people actually going through pulling that data themselves because it gets them a chance to stop, have a look at that and think about it as well and actually have a look at those results and say, something's wrong here. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit concerned that a number's going down and there's a trend that, that, we, need, that we need to look at on, on that side of things. So, you know, I think that they're, they're the main ones. And I think just as an overall piece to look at, I think there's such an importance in having that, that accountability with, with a team, even if that is slightly at the detriment of productivity. I like it. I think that's really helpful. Um, Tom, if you had to summarize your sort of growth strategy going forward, what would you, how would you put, uh, share that? Yeah, so I think that one of the things that I think that we've got a, a great ability to, to do that we haven't quite leveraged as much just yet is, is leveraging all of the, the great work we've done in building such a big user base. You know, we're at a point now where we've had 300,000 businesses across Australia use Lawpath. And I think that we're, we're in a position where we can actually grow so much just through that base. And so I believe that a lot of the growth that, I want to start to foster is, is actually through these existing businesses, telling their stories, creating ambassadors and, and, and being able to grow through a lot of the work and, and the satisfaction that we've, we've already built 
from that side of things. And as I mentioned, you know, overlaying that with, I, I see that the next stage of what we need to do for, for, for growing is really being able to communicate concisely and, and, and effectively what we do, because, you know, the, the idea of a, of an idea spreading, it needs to be something that's very easily replicable in terms of being able to explain it to different parties and for people to understand what that looks like. And I think a big onus in that is what we do from an awareness side. So I think you'd be seeing a lot more in the way of, you know, awareness campaigns and, and, and bigger brand activations from Lawpath in the near future. Yeah, that's great. And I just wanted to commend you on your case studies. Uh, I really love them. I was looking through a few Thank of you. them uh, before the, uh, the interview today. Um, this is the last question. Uh, so what problem in marketing um, that, you know, that you have to deal with or your team has to deal with, do you think uh, you would wish someone would solve or improve? Oh, that's, that's a really good question. Um, I think that one of the things that I see across uh, a, a lot of, a lot of marketing teams is that I feel like people start to get a little bit weighed down by, you know, try, like they, they probably don't, I don't think there's enough experimentation and creativity going on in the, in the larger scale of the marketing industry. I think a lot of the time marketing ends up being something that, that, it, that is used as a way of being able to, you know, uh, you know, protect the brand and, 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 and really make sure that people aren't, using the wrong words or terminology and while there's obviously importance in those areas i i don't think things like that should should come at the detriment of creativity and trying new things i think that it's really important from 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 a marketing standpoint that we're we're always going out and and and, and actually having a go at trying new things because i think in a world where we're going to have less reliance on the ability to buy data and we, we already know about all of the issues that you know we're seeing across with the with the removal of, of of third party cookies and the changes in 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 operating systems particularly with apple that that's having an impact on the ability for us to be able to target users the same way that we once were able to and what i think that then puts a really big onus on is us needing to try new things and and be a little bit more creative so that we don't have that 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 surefire way of knowing. Yep, I've got the right person here. The message isn't important because I know I've got the right person. I think it puts a lot more onus now on us needing to be creative, be experimental, and I think in doing that we'll see a lot more in the way of creativity coming back into the marketing industry that we we haven't really seen a lot of, particularly of the last five to ten years. It's all been you need to know data, you need to know digital and everything's moving into that way where we're working with data sets and using them to modify and manipulate is, is, is the way to go, which I've, I've never been too fond of. I think that, that it, it's so important to have a, a, a unique angle to what you're doing and, and, and come at things in a new creative lens. So um, I, I think that it's a, it's, it's a really good time if, if somebody was coming into the industry right now, they, if they've got, some new ideas they're willing to be a little bit daring and and and, and not you know get too bogged down by people's opinions or doubts then, then they're going to find themselves in really good stead nice so so the key thing really is to um is to think really think care about your customer and really think about uh you know new ways to learn about your customer and not get trapped into into the assumption that you already know everything is just about um checking off the, you know, the checklist, if you will, um, you know, there should be some, 
you know, some question like what's changed and how do we change and how can we do this differently or better, uh, bringing that spirit of um, experimentation. That's great. Um, yeah, this was a really nice interview, Tom. Thanks so much. I think for all the CMOs that are listening and also people who want to learn more about marketing, hope you got a lot out of it. This is Jason for the CMO Stories podcast and series. I'm here with Tom Willis, who's the C CMO of LawPath. And it was great to have you uh, on the on the series, Tom. It was great fun. Thanks for having me, Jay. That's it, guys. See you in the show notes and let us know if you have any other questions. And we might have a chance to have Tom back as a speaker. So let us know uh, if there's anything you'd like for him to share in more detail the next time he's back. Take care, everyone. This is Jason. See you.